0: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
1: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
0: Welcome to a weekend bonus episode of the Tech Meme Right Home. I'm your host, Brian McCullough. This one requires a bit of explaining. Remember that segment I did recently about Change of View, that subreddit that was becoming its own website to try to create a platform for healthy discourse and online debate? They got backing and technical support from an Alphabet subsidiary called Jigsaw. Jigsaw actually wasn't on my radar, so I went down a bit of a rabbit hole, and I learned that Jigsaw's remit is to seemingly try to make the internet not suck as much. Or at least use technology to make the world a better place, which is bizarrely kind of feeling like an old school thing at this point. So long story short, I reached out to some people and got put in touch with Dan Kaiserling of Jigsaw to see what they're up to. Combating radicalization online, online censorship, trolls, bias in AI, all of that is what Jigsaw is working on. It turns out there are still some folks who believe technology can make the world a better place and not just break everything. Huge if true. But seriously, this is a bit of a palate cleanse for me, and for you, but really mostly for me. Please enjoy. I'm here to cheer
1: you up. Well, I'm, a, I'm going to give you a you know positive, hopeful vision of the role of technology in the world.
0: Okay, listen. If you can do that, by the way, let's 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 consider. <laughs> I'll consi- endeavor to do that. That's all I'll promise. All right. Well, then, can we consider ourselves recording officially?
1: Sure, absolutely.
0: Okay. Well, because if you can do that, then uh, then you'll make my week here. Um, so I I got turned on to to jigsaw specifically. I, I I'm ashamed to say I wasn't aware of you previously but um cuz I did a segment recently about um Change of View that that site that's coming over from the uh from from Reddit um I believe you yep. guys are working with them so just real quick um can you tell me how Jigsaw got involved with Change of View and what you guys are are trying to do with them
1: Sure uh, and thanks for having me
0: yes. um <laughs>
1: so that that story starts um with a tool that we've been working on for a few years called Perspective. Mm. And Perspective, put simply, uses machine learning to spot toxicity online. And one of the most common applications of that technology is to help publishers and platforms um, all across the internet host better conversations. Um, So that's everything from helping human moderators moderate conversations on, for example, news uh, websites like the New York Times uh, or um, other platforms that have slightly different formats and slightly different standards in terms of service, um, they can use that technology to help um, basically in- enforce the terms of service that they have for their community. So, um, you know, Reddit is, is one of the most um, popular websites on the internet. It's a place where people go to have conversations, exchange a lot of ideas. Reddit has a really strong tradition of um, of sort of having the community moderate itself. Uh, and we, in a number of conversations with, with Cal um, from Change of View, uh, we wanted to really help him use perspective as he stood up his new venture uh, and integrate perspective to help his moderators do their jobs more effectively.
0: Can I, can I ask possibly a dumb or maybe even uh, insulting question, because maybe it's more complicated sure. than this, but is it more complicated? Toxicity, especially in things like m- message boards and things like that, is it m- really more complicated than just having moderation, like leaning into moderation even just a little bit? Or like what's the secret sauce that Change of View, in your opinion, has found?
1: It, it's a good question. Um, I guess I should explain a little bit what I mean by the word toxicity, and that's, that's a very deliberate and specific term uh, in how we think about how to train the machine learning models. And just stop me if I start talking tech jargon. No, go on. But, um, okay, perfect. Um, so one of the challenges was to build machine learning models that were nuanced enough to provide useful information to human moderators who, of course, have um, a very nuanced understanding of language. Uh, People can detect things like passive aggression, sarcasm, personal attacks, misogyny, racism, etc. All of the different sort of facets that make up toxicity online, which a lot of publishers uh, and platforms want to either, if not filter out on some level, um, be aware of. or or be able to detect. And different platforms have different standards and preferences for what they want their communities to be like. Um, So the first challenge was creating machine learning models that were um, adept at detecting all of those things and of putting that power um, in the hands of the people who are running these platforms and publishers. So in the case of Reddit and in Change of View, Change of View is really interesting, and I was actually rereading um, the blog post that Change of View published when they, when they launched their new site. And, you know, there are two different things that um, Change of View really focuses on. It, they're interested in, um, obviously, sort of um, making sure that their communities don't have harassment and attacks and things like that, but also measuring what they call the delta, um, the difference, basically, between uh, a person's initial opinion about a subject and uh, their their opinion after they engage the community and they they hear from stimulation. So, in the case of perspective, what we did is um, we provided sort of a tool that allows uh, change of views moderators to have comments flagged so that they can review them more efficiently. And that's that's not an uncommon application for perspective. Uh, a lot of news organizations. Use it similarly. Uh, New York Times, as I mentioned, um, uses Perspective to help its team of human moderators uh, sort through the comments on their site, so that they can do their job more effectively.
0: The um, so but then again, that's just coming down to it's it's just having more humans in a some sort of a moderator capacity, and then it's just providing them with more tools to do that at scale.
1: Exactly right. The, the key word there is scale. So uh, human moderation is uh, obviously not super scalable. You have to hire people. It's expensive. It's labor intensive. It takes a long time. Um, a tool like Perspective just makes them able to work more effectively by sorting comments according to toxicity, for example. Um, and this isn't something that a user or a reader would necessarily notice. But if you're if you're trying to manage a community and you're trying to engage with Thousands, tens of thousands, even millions of comments. Uh, machine learning can really help make um, help you accomplish that at scale
0: and and it's uh, perspective is an API that in theory um, anyone could ask you guys to use on their applications as well. Yeah, exactly right. It's free. Well, so, uh, again, I apologize for not being familiar with Jigsaw until um, hearing about Change of View, but uh, real quickly, just tell me about Jigsaw, how it got started, and and what the mission is. Sure.
1: Uh, Jigsaw is a unit within Alphabet, which is Google's parent company, uh, that uses technology to address some of the most pressing global security challenges. That's everything from radicalization online, to uh, hate and harassment, to defending news organizations from certain kinds of cyber attacks, uh, defending against censorship, for example. Um, We are an interdisciplinary team. So we combine researchers and software engineers, product managers, designers, um, legal experts, people with a history and policy. uh, And we sort of take an interdisciplinary approach to these issues. Uh, We try to forecast out threats years ahead of time. We try to really understand the role that technology is playing in these threats. And then we build technology to address them.
0: So, yes, this is why I wanted to talk to you. (laughs) Because, again, the general consensus over the last few years increasingly seems to be the internet and technology in general is breaking society in a lot of ways. So let's kind of, let's go down some of the the things that you just mentioned and, and some things that come up all the time on our show. And, you know, at the risk of putting you on the spot or, you know, uh, uh, giving bullet points on something that's a complicated issue, let's, let's just go into some things and, and, and tell me some solutions that are possible. Let's start with, you, you, like you mentioned, radicalization. That's obviously been in the news a lot lately. What are some ways that the internet and technology can fight radicalization as opposed to seemingly just foment it?
1: The way that Jigsaw approached this issue uh, was to ask the question whether it was possible to provide information to people who are considering joining a violent extremist group, in this case, in our case, uh, ISIS, and whether that information could change something. So could you reach people who are interested in joining ISIS and provide them with information that would undermine ISIS's mythology, that would thwart their ability to recruit new members online. And so Jigsaw uh, conducted an experiment uh, with something called the redirect method, where we, we created an advertising campaign, a targeted advertising campaign designed to reach people who were considering joining ISIS or who were displaying an affinity for ISIS's propaganda and mythology online. And we directed them towards video content that addressed their questions and addressed their queries, but provided a viewpoint um, or a series of views that, um, that undermined ISIS's mythology that didn't conform to sort of their version of the world. And what we were interested to know in that case was, first of all, could could we identify people who had an affinity for ISIS propaganda? Could we reach them in some way? Um, are, there, are there terms that people search for that suggests that people have more than just an interest in ISIS or or the subject matter, but are really displaying um, an affinity, uh, a strong sort of desire to to subscribe to that ideology. And then, if we showed them videos, would they be interested to watch them? Because sort of the ob- you know the obvious conclusion is that if if somebody shows you a video that isn't what you want to see or doesn't address your question, you just click back and and you don't bother watching it. But in our experiment, we were pleased and surprised to see that uh, not only could we reach hundreds of thousands of people who were searching for things that suggested they had an affinity for ISIS, but they they consumed this content. They watched these videos that provided um, everything from citizen journalist footage from inside the so-called caliphate or uh, footage from inside hospitals, depictions of of bread lines and, and civil society breaking down in Syria, or um, sermons from more moderate Islamist scholars, um, they watched that video content uh, for much longer and at a higher percentage than comparable searches. And for us, that that resulted in a methodology, um, a way to go about reaching people who were vulnerable to being recruited by violent extremist groups. And we published the results of that research so that other groups could, could um, learn from it and can think of ways to apply it to other violent extremist groups.
0: Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from other retirement accounts with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk, including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to specific terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S Okay, online censorship. Uh, I think you also mentioned. I, I I've been doing a lot of f- segments recently. I, like I came up in the '90s, and so I, my assumption about the web and the internet was always like, "Well, this is this is the silver bullet against totalitarianism. The the, the internet's always going to be open. Information will always be free." But it's almost starting to feel like it's the opposite. Like the internet and technology is like the perfect. Uh, mechanisms for creating a panopticon, and and you have like sort of the surveillance internet um, in, in in certain countries becoming more appealing to a lot of governments. So um, what is what is some of the work that you guys are doing um, to to combat censorship and things like that online?
1: So censorship is is a broad word, and I think it's worth sort of unpacking. Um, what that looks like all around the world, and also some of the ways that um, governments restrict access to information that we might not necessarily call censorship at first glance. Mm-hmm. So one of, the, one of our programs is uh, something called Project Shield, which, uh, put very simply, defends news organizations and political organizations around the world from a very common form of cyber attack, a distributed denial of service attack which is a type of cyber attack that overwhelms servers with traffic and takes websites offline. This is a very common type of cyber attack, and it's actually often used as a very crude form of censorship. Uh, So instead of creating some elaborate censorship apparatus, um, a government or a non-state actor can direct traffic to a website that it doesn't like and overwhelm it and take it offline. Uh, historically, defending against these kinds of attacks can be quite expensive. Uh, there are commercial providers of DDoS mitigation technology, but um, small news organizations and, you know, small political organizations, human rights groups, um, NGOs, they, they often can't afford these services or, or they don't necessarily have the technical staff to implement them. So we created a service that uh, offers that for free for certain categories of organizations.
0: And what about things like, um, just, just you and me, like your average internet, um, user or whatever, like what are some ways that, um, I mean, and I'm not even getting into the, the surveillance of like, you know, um, our data being gobbled up by various companies and things like that. But, um, what are some, uh, some easy solutions, um, for, for your average internet user to feel like, um, they're not being watched by the Panopticon all the time?
1: Yeah, well, we could talk about the subject all day um, because it's complicated and it, it exists in a bunch of different forms that are all worth addressing. Um, but I'll tell you about a couple, uh, a sure. few of the things that our team works on. Um, the first one is a tool called Intra, and it uh, it basically encrypts your connection to the phone book of the internet, the Domain Name System. Um, because another common form of censorship is what's called DNS manipulation or DNS poisoning, and it's when usually a government um, intercepts the connection between individual um, devices or or IPs and the domain name system that uh, is the backbone of the internet, the phone number that connects URLs to server addresses somewhere, and manipulates it or blocks it, uh, or in some cases distorts the web pages in certain ways. we saw this technique being used in Venezuela most recently uh, during the violence and um, the recent political activity there. Uh, and so we built this app and we we had been testing it for um, a couple of months in Venezuela and it's a really simple app it's one button and when you press it your DNS connection is encrypted and DNS manipulation is no longer a threat to you. Uh, the truth is there are a lot of different versions of a similar tactic. um, Ways to disrupt people's access to information. Uh, And part of what Kickstarter does is, first of all, try to understand the landscape of all of those threats. Um, All of the different ways that censorship manifests in the world, how that technology changes over time, and what the most effective ways are of um, creating more access to information.
0: Uh, If I can if I can squeeze one more in real quick, um, because again, these are yeah, st- I can go on stories that that I, I can talk I, about our VPN too. Oh, well, tell me about the VPN real quick, and then I've got one more to ask you about.
1: Okay, perfect. Another tool that Ditzar um, developed is called Outline, and uh, many of the listeners, I'm sure, will be familiar with virtual private networks, VPNs. Uh, a lot of people in the world hundreds of millions of people use vpns all around the world every day um the issue and a lot of people use vpns to make their connection to the internet um, more secure or to circumvent government firewalls or um, restrictions on their access to information a lot of businesses use them um, just to manage you know who can be on their network and who can't the the technical challenge that we were trying to overcome there is that a lot of organizations want to create their own VPN um, because they might not always trust the providers of VPNs around the world. Um, But it it, until very recently, was very hard to do that. Uh, It required technical expertise to set up your own VPN. And even then, it wasn't always clear whether you were doing it right. Um, Specifically, we had talked to a number of human rights groups from around the world who were very interested in really having their own technological infrastructure um, so that they could make sure that it conformed to their standards and that um, they could trust it Uh, but it was a hard thing to do Uh, and so outline makes it dead simple to create your own vpn it's as simple as that so any organization around the world can create their own vpn um, and choose from a number of cloud providers or set up their own servers and then they can offer access to that vpn to anyone in their network Um, for, for organizations and news organizations that are operating in um, places where the government might be hostile to those groups or where the government has a strong interest in restricting access to information, um, those tools can be invaluable.
0: All right. The last one I want to squeeze in is um, seemingly everyday stories about bias in AI. Um, is Again, is is it simply down to the fact that we're still at the stage with AI where it's humans that are teaching the machines, and thus th- th- we're bringing in the human biases um, inevitably? Um, or is there is there an elegant solution, or maybe an obvious solution to um, introducing biases into AI?
1: It's a really good question, and I'm I'm glad we have the chance to talk about it. Um, it's a really interesting subject because where we have encountered um, issues with bias in machine learning is, is in the context of training machine learning models um, on large quantities of online comments. So let me explain what I mean by that. So the way that we taught the machine learning models for perspective to understand toxicity in language was to show it a lot of language we showed these models um, millions and millions of comments, public comments online from newspapers like the New York Times. And in, in processing the tag data of millions and millions of online comments, um, that's how it learned to spot toxicity. So the question of how does bias sneak into machine learning models is because all of those comments contain human biases. And you often don't know what those biases are or how they'll manifest in machine learning models until you start to test it. And so a big effort that our team invests really heavily in is testing all of our models and working with um, outside groups to really try to, first of all, identify bias and then mitigate it and fix it. Um, We really believe in publishing our research and showing our work and engaging in the broader Um, AI research community on these issues. Uh, We publish a blog called The False Positive, and we've written a couple of research papers on this subject. Um, Because, as you rightly point out, um, we have to make sure that we get this right. Um, A lot of these technologies are experimental, um, and it's well worth our time sort of spending time thinking about how we can better identify and mitigate biases in in machine learning. Uh,
0: Final question. I, I don't know if this is like an unofficial motto or something, but I was reading up on Jigsaw and like there's this phrase um, that I think you guys use, uh, how can technology make people in the world safer? That's sort of like a, a mission statement yeah. for, for, for you all. Um, it's written on the wall right behind me, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So um, I've, I've sort of joked before that maybe one of Silicon Valley's problems is um, there's the tendency to believe, well, For whatever the problem is, if we just get a bunch of smart engineers in a room, they can solve it, right? Um, I'm curious, to what degree are you guys aware of your own sort of biases? Like, How much are you thinking of the need to get non-tech points of view to fix some of the issues that you're working on?
1: It's absolutely critical um, to get not just a non-tech point of view on all of these issues, but a really diverse set of views from different industries, um, different groups, different countries, different parts of the world, different ideologies. Um, a big part of, of how Jigsaw works is, is trying to get those viewpoints. Um, so a core part of our methodology is sending people out into the field to understand how technology actually works in places that are facing oppression um, and violence. It's to speak to local communities, speak to advocacy groups, speak to experts, the academic community, um, to speak to governments around the world who are also confronting these problems, to really understand um, as many perspectives as we can to inform our own. Um, and, and you know, lead with that sort of interdisciplinary, inclusive um, approach to problem solving. Uh, I know that that sounds even a bit. Idealistic, but we find that our technology is better when we incorporate um, non tech points of view in its inception, its design, its testing, and its deployment.